What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode six of the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Sullivan, back alongside my boy, Chris Davis, fresh off of uh, Night Shift Brewery up at the Natick Mall in the uh, Level 99. We had a time last night, me, you, Mel, uh, Boosie, and his now fiance, Bridget. Um, and now we're hopping back on the pod. Obviously, we got the, uh, the Mark McLaughlin episode. Uh, so he'll be, you know, the interview will come later on in this episode. But before we get into the interview, we're going to talk some Metropolitan Division predictions, contract extensions, uh, a big trade rumor that's been circling around uh, NHL Twitter. And um, also we're going to talk a little bit of the Holinka Gretzky Cup. But before we get into that, um, we also have a big announcement. And Chris, if you want to take that away, it's all yours, pal. Yeah, man. Uh, we are super excited to announce that we are going to be partnering with Primetime Productions. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've got some awesome fucking podcasts already with them right now, obviously. Um, you and Mel with Something's Brewing. Um, our boys, Boozy yep. and Brett with uh, Only Brewing. Um, Grace and Lauren with All Goals, No Misses. And then our boy yep. Ace at uh, Two Pad Stack. So, um this is something that's been kind of in the works for a little while and um, just really excited to get going with you guys and finally, you know, being able to announce it. It's an incredible feeling and I know we're, uh, we're going to do great things and just couldn't be more excited. Yeah, dude, we're so pumped. Like we got, we got a hell of a lineup on this network so far. And I know right now it's kind of small, right? We got three Bruins shows, obviously uh, only Bruins, me and Mel's show, like you said, something's Bruin and um, two pad stack with ACE. But we also have us on the network. Now we're covering all NHL, all hockey, really drop the mitts, obviously. And then um, we also have that all goals, no misses. That's also covering the entire league with uh, Grace and Lauren. And if you guys haven't had an opportunity to listen to, you know, all those shows, I highly recommend doing it. It's awesome. It's a great way to get through the work day, you know, go home, you're doing some laundry, throw on a podcast with a couple of people talking hockey. It's great. But um, yeah, no, we're super pumped. And with the, the whole primetime productions network, um, it's, it's not just going to be hockey. There's going to be football shows. There's going to be NBA shows, uh, MLB shows along with our, um, you know, all of our hockey shows on the network already and more to come. And it won't just be Bruins related, you know, we're, we're looking and, and, uh, you know, adding some more shows for hopefully every team in the league eventually, um, will be represented by at least one show on the network. But what is it right now? We have six, six podcasts on the network, I believe. Yeah. So somewhere around there us announcing, yeah, we're at six. Yeah. Um, so the, the original six shows, it's awesome. Six and, uh, <laughs> like I said, man, the, the group chat's been popping off. It's, just we have unbelievable chemistry it's there's everyone is such a riot and just it's so much fun working with everyone and um obviously you mentioned last night we got together for some beers at a night shift and yeah you guys are a riot and yeah it was <laughs> a fucking awesome time dude uh, i'm so yeah. excited to get going and kind of broaden our horizons a little bit and kind of you know tap into like our potential and and see what's next and and you know see where this thing takes us yeah, man, we're 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 kind of betting on ourselves right now, you know, as a as a giant group, and there's no better group to do it with, you know. I trust all these all the guys and gals on this team. I mean, there's there's no limit it's to the moon, as Mel says. We're going to the moon, baby. On the moon, one way or another. <laughs> yeah, one. We'll get there somehow. 
<laughs> we're just yeah. gonna maybe we'll call Elon. We'll get a little ship. <laughs> we're gonna we'll be traveling with Elon. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's it, honestly, I, I'm really relieved. Not relieved, but just excited to finally be able to announce this because it's obviously we've been kind of given little previews here and there, and um, to be able to finally like announce that you know this is the direction we're taking. It's it's really exciting and. Um, obviously we still have some unbelievable guests lined up across all the shows, oh, yeah. uh, which is awesome. So I, you know, I'm really excited to see where this takes us. And, um, honestly, I'm honored to, to, to even be like asked to be a part of the network. I mean, obviously what Boosie and Brett have built over at only Bruins and, um, what you and Mel have built, um, it's just an honor. And, um, I think it's going to be awesome to be able to work with all you clowns. <laughs> yeah man and like i said dude our team is great um we're pumped to have everybody here and doing this with us so like i said no limits and and we're we'll see where this adventure takes us so. yeah i think i think yesterday we got a little bit of the uh a taste of our chemistry and it kind of a little incident that happened where you know someone got attacked on twitter and they they this certain individual <laughs> found out what uh what primetime production was all about and uh kind of ended them a little quick and it's one of those things where you don't touch our goalie you know yeah yeah hey you do not yeah. touch our goalie <laughs> no you can't touch the goalie or else we'll yeah, drop you don't the goalie after the whistle yeah uh, no so, yeah it just you know it's, it's just such an awesome feeling to be part of like a, a team again you know and yeah um just the the chemistry again is unbelievable it's so funny it's you know some of the stuff that's said in the in the chat it's just so freaking funny man and then obviously we got the uh, NHL 23 stuff got uh, going on, and hopefully oh, we can yeah. do another level. And, yeah, I'm excited, bro. Yeah, man. Um, So you want to get into some contract extensions? You want to start with that, and then we'll kind of bounce our way around? Yeah, so o over the past week, we've had a ton of, obviously, you know, with arbitration deals and then um, just extension signed. And, and some of them I was a little shocked by, I guess. Yeah. Um, but for the vast majority of them, I think they were fair numbers for both teams. The first one um, obviously happened today. Um, Tom Wilson signed a seven-year, $45.5 million extension to stay with the Washington Capitals. Um, I kind of saw, you know, NHL Twitter and Capitals Twitter blowing up a little bit today. Um, seems like kind of a high number for a 30-year-old. Um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? You know <clears> – <throat> When the news first broke, right, um, I was working and I kind of, I, I was looking through it and I was like, okay, six and a half million is not too bad, especially with the cap expected to jump, right? But then you look at the term and it's seven years. I mean, he's going to be at almost his age 40 season. And if you're, if you're looking at a contract like that and say it's to a guy who plays a more similar style to, I don't know, just to kind of throw someone's name out there like a Jake DeBrusque, like just kind of a two-way guy doesn't really center his game around throwing his body weight at other guys or, or playing physically. But I mean, Tom Wilson, that's all he does really. I mean, I know he can score. I know he can produce, but he's a big hitter. He relies on that, you know, physical aspect of his game where he's risking his body every shift. You know, he's, he's putting a, a, a big strain on, whether it be his hips, his shoulders, his knees. Uh, and like you said, his age 30 season is coming up and that's when his contract is going to start. So it's, it's, it's kind of a gamble on Washington's part. I'm thinking because who knows three, four years down the line, 
who knows how his body's going to be able to hold up to the way that he plays. Um, if that contract ends up, you know, with, with most of the time him being on the LTIR or he's hurt, he's missing 10, 20, 30 games a season that could hurt them like a lot down the line, down the line. Yeah. I honestly, I think when you first look at it, obviously, yeah, it's a big number and you kind of put into perspective the way that he plays and the way that, you know, the way that he has been playing his whole career. Right. Uh, honestly, I kind of took a step back and, and I think you're looking at the next captain of the capitals. Um, really? After Ovi. Um, you know, just hearing some of the things that people say about Tom Wilson in the locker room, um, how great of a leader he is. I mean, he wears an A right now. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think they're kind of banking on – I can't imagine he's going to play this style of play for for the next fucking six years, dude. There's there's just no way. He's not going to be able there's to no hold way. up. He's, he's still – he's a good player, and he's someone that is dominant in front of the net. He goes into those gritty areas. But, I mean, he doesn't have to lay those huge hits – like he like he is known for, I mean, right. and he can kind of transform his game as he's getting a little bit older. You see a lot of players do that, you know, when their body's starting to kind of like, um, you know, obviously they're not as young as they used to be, and and they kind of have to transform their game and find another way to produce and be effective. Yeah, it's it's. I was kind of thinking initially because comparing him to guys, I don't know, like like a Milan Lucic or Ryan Reeves, maybe kind of trajecting towards those guys but then you also got to think like you just said you can transform your game if you recognize it early enough and i think wilson's capable of doing that maybe he could turn into someone like a jamie bent where he still has that size he still has that skill set to still be an effective player in his later years where he doesn't have to rely on you know just just crushing people every shift you yeah. know he can adapt yeah i i agree it and just looking at his game, I don't ever see him being a bottom six forward, like right. like a Lucic and a uh, Revo are. I, right. I just I always see him kind of having that role as a top six forward. And, and again, he he's a guy. Yeah, he's a big power forward. He's a big body, but he can put the puck in the net. Um, yeah, he can. You know, he yeah. has other skill sets. Um, and I think you know over these next couple of years, you're going to kind of see him transform his game where he's not going to be the fucking goon that he's been and I, you know he hasn't been a complete goon like he's put up decent numbers yeah um but like i said i i, I really do and truly believe that you're looking at the next captain post Ovi. um and i think that's kind of what they're banking on with this deal um obviously with that long term they're looking to kind of have that seamless transition someone who's been with the organization someone who's literally played his entire career with alexander ovechkin and knows what Olvi is built there, obviously yeah. cup winning team. Um, so I, I mean, I I think it's a good deal for for both sides. Yeah, it might be a little high towards the tail end of the deal, but for right now, I mean, with the cap going up, I think this is a fair deal for both sides. And um, yeah, it, I I don't hate the deal to be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm looking through his um, stats year by year. I. I He's never eclipsed 52 points, um, never eclipsed more than 24 goals, but he's consistently around like 40 to 45 points a season, which isn't bad. Um, and last year before he got hurt too, he had 22 points in 33 games. So, I mean, he was, he's, he can produce. Um, so it's all about him just kind of, if he wants to allow that contract to, 
age healthily. It's just adapting his style of play, focusing more on how to be a productive player without risking your body as you get older. Yeah, and honestly, the the way that the game is even moving towards now, I mean, the right. the power forward is is a dying breed. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, that just that brute force that you know these huge guys that just lay. I mean, man, I can count on one hand how many effective, like legit big power forwards there are in the NHL that are still effective in the game today. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I said, luckily, I think Wilson has a chance to transform his game, and I think he can still be effective. Um, and, you know, obviously he doesn't have the sexiest numbers, you know, when you look at the stat sheet, but um, I think you're also paying for his leadership uh, yeah. in the intangibles that he brings off the ice to the team. And obviously in, with a team that's going to start rebuilding, um, I think he's going to be helpful to help develop those young guys that they got in there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you mentioned, like they're kind of on the verge of a rebuild. Um, Ovi's getting older. Backstrom is is back for. He's back in a healthy season. Um, TJ Oshie's getting up there. Max Pacioretty, who knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy? They got young guys like Sonny Milano, Strom, uh, Carlson on the back end. I mean, like yeah, yeah. They're gonna, you know, it's gonna be. I think they're still kind of waiting out this this OV record. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Trying, I think they're trying to hold on as long as they can. You know what? I I, I respect it. Yeah. Um, you know, OV's you... given so much to the game and to that organization that um, they should. I mean, they should. You have a guy that always has that compete level. Why would you not give him a chance to, like, make the playoffs? I mean, it's not like they're in full yeah. fucking tank mode. You know what I mean? And. Um, I think with this deal, it's like I said, I, it's a good deal for both sides. Maybe not towards the tail end of it, but I think for this year and, and you know, until Ovi retires, I think it's it's a fair number. Yeah, I think so too. And like how you spoke on um, obviously them holding off until Ovi has a chance to break that record. Just as uh, – just uh, from the league's perspective – with Ovi spending his entire career in Washington, I don't think that it would be right for him to break the record in another team's jersey. I completely, you know? I completely. Yeah. It just it it wouldn't, it just wouldn't look right. Like right. It just, I don't know. I think even and, and that's coming from two non-Caps fans, right? Oh, I think yeah. That's, that's coming from two that just love the game of hockey. It just wouldn't feel right. Right, exactly. It's like it's like you've been watching this guy in Washington. Is it literally since he came in the league and since I started watching the league, he's been a capital. He's been a part of those dominating teams. And if you saw him get shipped off to like I don't know, say like uh, throw any team in there, we'll say like the Kings. Like with that, and he breaks the record with the Kings. Like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not going to hit the, nearly the same as it would if if he gets that record breaking goal in dc in the bright red uniforms in front of all the washington fans yeah. you know it, like you like just that would be such an iconic hockey moment and it's not like it's just like some random record either you know what i mean this is wayne gretzky's all-time goal record like this is a massive moment in the nhl dude this is this is a record that people thought would never be touched right ever. like in Obviously, I'm not taking any. Gretzky is the greatest player to ever play. But yeah. so what is what Ovi has done with a game that has gotten significantly faster? Players yep. are stronger, bigger. 
again, the equipment changes. The fact that he was able to put up this many goals is unbelievable. And we kind of touched on it um, last week talking, you know, with our Bergeron tribute, how special it is to have a player of that magnitude spend his whole entirety of his career in one jersey. You don't right. see it. I mean, in other sports, you just don't see it. Um, I think hockey is like the main one where you see these guys, you know, spending the entirety of their career with, with their original team. Yep. And I think, again, that it's just – it would take away from the how special the record is. I'm not – and, again, I'm not taking anything away from Ovi, but I think if he were to break that record in a Caps uniform, like you said, in D.C., with, with, that, fan, with that fan base – he brought them a cup. Like, it, it just would be unbelievable for the game of hockey. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm just kind of um, going through his goals per season, and it is insane. His his rookie year, his rookie year, he had <clears> – <throat> he came into the league with <coughs> – excuse me – 52 goals in his rookie year, 46 the next, 65 in his third. Then he goes 56, 50, uh, 32, 38, uh, 32, 51, 53, 50. It just goes on and on and on. And obviously Gretzky's record for all-time goals is 894. And right now Ovi's at 822. So if he can just maintain that pace that he's on, dude, for the next two seasons, we're gonna the NHL is going to have a new all-time goal leader. And it's, it's awesome. Amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, it's incredible that you know we're going to be able to live to see that because yeah. like it's it's not a record that anyone thought was going to be broken anytime soon, especially this soon. Right, right. You know, and it really hasn't been that soon. It's been you know years, obviously, but yeah, it just I'd love to see him break it with uh with his original team with the Caps. I mean, um, it just it just would make it that much more special. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And there's literally nobody playing in the game right now that's even close. So you, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta let him do it as a cap. You have to. Hundred percent. The next free agent that uh, signed a extension, one I was kind of bummed about because it kind of came, <laughs> kind of came, kind of near the Bergeron retirement. Sebastian Aho yes. signed an eight year, seventy eight million dollar extension um, with the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is a deal that I is an absolute steal for this team. Yeah. Um, like I said, to be able to, to lock up a number one center for under 10 million. Um, I was listening to the spit and chicklets podcast, man. And uh, Grinelli brought up, he was like, you know, we're going to get Sebastian Ajo next off season. We're going to sign, you know, give him a bag and, you know, we'll have our <laughs> number one center. And then all of a sudden the, the nut punch of, you know, Carolina getting him for less than 10 million. Um, yeah. I think this is an, absolute steal for this Carolina team. He's an unbelievable player. Um, and again, with the cap going up, this this deal in the next three to four years is going to look like one of the best contracts in hockey. Absolutely, dude. And it's it's like for Carolina, too, to lock him up, they, they, they have a solid plan. We were talking before we even started recording. Like, you kind of look at their lineup, and it's nothing – it's not going to blow you out of the water per se, but it's the system that they play. Obviously Rod Brindamore being the coach that he is, has those guys hemmed in 24 seven. Um, yeah. Rod the bot. He's like a drill sergeant, but, but it works. And to be able to lock up Aho, like you said, under $10 million, it's, it's 
an unbelievable deal for Carolina. And it's going to help them too, because we've seen kind of them go through two or three good seasons, right? Where they're relevant in the league and then nobody, like they can't get those extensions signed. They can't get players to stay there and they kind of fall off again. And then their fan base takes a hit because it's like, how, how dedicated are you going to stay as a relatively new fan base? If your team continues down the path of being good for a couple of years and then kind of just shits the bed a little bit for a few until they're good again. But with locking up Aho, um, it, it helps solidify them in their future as well. And, you know, they still guys like Svechnikov guys, like they just brought in Michael Bunting, Seth Jarvis, nah, Natchez, um, Tara Vinen. They're a good team and they're going to be good for a while still. Um, and then you look at their back end too, dude. They're like, they're, they, they have a system there that works so well and, and bringing in Aho for under $10 million gives the management there just a lot of flexibility to help build around a, a number one center in Sebastian Aho. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people forget that that team didn't have Andre Svenshikov for the playoffs. Right. Um, so that was a team that, you know, and obviously they bring in all these, all these, you know, pieces around. Now you have your number one center locked up. You bring in a guy like Dmitry Orlov, who obviously we know is a great piece for us, um, yeah. you know, for the Bruins during their playoff run. I Obviously it didn't work out the way we wanted it to, but um, unbelievable piece to add. And then again, like they didn't have their top goal scorers, Andre Svenchikov for the playoffs. Like, you you got to imagine this team's going to be dangerous next year, like down the stretch. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and that Metro division is going to be fucking loaded. Like, just yeah. like we talked about the Atlantic, we were going through this division, and, and obviously we'll get into it a little bit later, but it's a loaded division. It's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, absolutely. The whole Eastern Conference, dude, when you really look at all the teams in here, there's two teams that are just trash, and it's Montreal and Philly. And outside of them, it's anybody's guess. Oh, dude, even the thing the thing is, you look at like Montreal's roster, like not man, that they're close. Yeah, they're close. <laughs> like I'm not like again. This is going to be a scary conference, you know, for the next three year, you know, three four years. It's going to be a fucking dogfight in both these divisions. Yeah, and even the teams that are falling off a little, like air quotes, falling off. You're looking at teams like I guess like Pitt and Washington who still have some of the NHL's greatest all-time players in Ovi and, and uh, Crosby still leading those teams. So it's like, and you can never count those two out either. Yeah, no. And, and obviously there's a big trade rumor going on with one of those teams in the Metro. Uh, yes. You know, we don't, we'll get into that a little bit after, but even like I said, that, that Pittsburgh team, they made a couple moves that, I just don't still don't see them breaking the top three of that division. Yeah. For me, not even the top four. Um yeah. so yeah, I like I said, I, I this thing could go one of four ways, but I really like what Carolina's done. I love this Aho deal for them. Um I think this is gonna it's gonna look like a fucking steal to them. Yeah, uh, yeah no, the absolutely. for that matter. I mean, look at the Bruins, bro. We we are without a number one center and Carolina just locked one up for under ten mil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough. It's a it's a it's a junk punch for sure. I mean, even I mean, I, I know I'm kind of bouncing around here, but you you talk about how um, Sebastian Ajo was able to get that ticket for under ten million dollars. How about that deal that uh, 
Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes with New Jersey. What is that? What was it? Eight years, eight mil, something like that. Yeah, I think it was a little bit over eight mil. I'll um, I'm gonna check right now, but yeah, that's again, that's another one, dude. Like that was without the cap going up, right? Like right. obviously we knew the cap was gonna go up at some point. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it didn't happen last year, but this it's that's another perfect example of a team that's gonna be fucking phenomenal, dude. And yep. they just locked up a number number one center, eight year deal, sixty four million dollars. Like that's incredible. Like you know, it's just I I don't understand. It's not that I don't understand. I think it's just again these guys want to win and they want to be put in positions where they're playing with other good players. And yep. um, obviously, I think what Aho has done in Carolina, what Jack Hughes is bringing to to New Jersey, why wouldn't you want to stay? I mean. Right. Eight, Eight years at eight mil a year. That that's a big ticket to sign. And uh, those are contracts down the line too, that you're gonna look at and say, how the hell did they get this guy to sign at that low of a number? Especially with the cap jumping up. Like you see, I've I've seen predictions for Austin Matthews next year in his contract upwards of somewhere between 13, 14, and fifteen million. And it's like if if he if he signs that deal at that big of a number. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to build a good team around him. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're see, you know, you're seeing a lot of these massive deals that are being signed. Um, obviously, first first example that pops into my head is is the Oilers with you know obviously having two fucking huge tickets. Obviously, they're well worth it with yeah. what they bring every night. Um, right. But again, you don't leave much room to bring in other talent. Like they, they're just. They just seem like a team, the Oilers, that is, that are just going to kind of stay stagnant. Like, mm. I don't know. I, I, I can't explain what they're missing. Obviously, their back end. Uh, I mean, I can't explain. They're, they don't have a fucking goal. <laughs> yeah. They, they still fucking refuse to address that issue. Yeah. And, but, yeah, you got to think, like, how a lot of these teams that were able to be so successful, like the Bruins, obviously, they had guys on very team-friendly deals. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, like the Avalanche had guys on incredibly low deals. You know, McKinnon was making a little bit over six mil for the longest time before he signed his ticket. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that it, it seems like that's the recipe for for success. Everyone kind of buys into this, like, you know, this system and, and they're signing super team friendly deals to be able to bring in other talent. Um, and, yeah, I think I think that's exactly what. Carolina and New Jersey are doing that this time, you know, like, man, Jack Hughes, in my opinion, he's a, he's a top 10 player in the NHL right now. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You got him at eight mil, uh, annual value. That that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's not even something I could fucking pull off on NHL. Like, no, on easy yeah. mode. Like yeah, no chance, you know? And, and yeah, it, it's definitely like, you're going to see the devils and Carolina making some more moves. Like, they're going to have a lot more flexibility, like you said, to bring in other pieces. Um, so yeah. they're going to be dangerous down the stretch for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, so the next one was was really interesting to me. Um, Troy Terry and the Anaheim Ducks. Um, so Terry signed a seven-year contract extension through the 2029-2030 season ahead of his arbitration hearing. Yeah. Um, got a seven-year, $49 million deal. Um, and this was honestly one of the, I, I think, probably the most interesting uh, arbitration case 
Um, just as far as how wide the gap was between what the player wanted and what the team felt like he was worth. And yeah, honestly, good for Terry, man. Like he obviously got, he came in wanting eight mil. Um, the team came in offering, you know, thinking that he's worth four and a half and eventually they agree on that number of seven. So I, I think this is a huge win for the players, especially in, um, you know, you look at these, a lot of these arbitration hearings that have occurred and, they, they usually try to find middle ground, but this is one that really leaned towards the player, which which obviously is a huge victory for, you know, players across the league. What, what, do, yep. you, what do you think of this deal? I mean, he's – it's tough. Seven, seven years, seven mil for Terry. I mean, he's a really good player. He's a very, very good player. Um I don't really know what to think of it. I think I need to see what he does this season with Anaheim because Anaheim as a whole is just uh, a tricky team to kind of figure out right now. Obviously they got Zegris. Uh, John Gibson is still there for now, but it, it seems like they're trending in, in the opposite direction of where they want to be. And they've been trending that way for a long time now. And I think they're that they're just trying to lock up this core, this youth core that they have right now. You know, guys like Terry, guys like Zegers, um, because those two guys are their future for sure. Now, if is that a recipe for success? I don't know, because I don't know if those are those are two guys that you want to build your team around. That being said, I mean Terry's getting like 60, 70 points a season. Um, yep. So obviously he's producing. It's that's a million dollars in change less than Aho, and that's. Aho is a franchise number one center. Terry is a first line winger. So I'm kind of talking out of my ass right now a little bit, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm 50, 50 on that one. I need to see what he does this year and, and you know, what, what Anaheim can do and if they can start trending in the right direction or not. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm looking at a stat line um, starting from the 21 season, um, 2021, 22, in 75 games, put up 37 goals, 30 assists, 67 points. Um, and then, obviously, last season, he played in 70 games, 23 goals, 38 assists um, for 61 points. Um, off the top of my head, and I think this is just like the Bruins fan in me, it, it makes me wonder what a player like Jake DeBrusque is going to get next yeah. season and what he's going to demand and what he – what he thinks he's worth, because obviously, I don't. I, I'd have to pull up DeBrus' stat line for the past couple of years, but I'd be curious what, again, what he would ask for, because I, I feel like those are very similar type, like first line players. Like, and if I'm if I'm looking at it from that standpoint, like I'm not paying DeBrus seven million dollars. Mm. Like yeah. I just I just am not, and it's nothing against the player, like. Obviously, he's a he's a great player, and he he's produced, and he's loved across fucking Boston. But I just I don't love this deal for you know. Obviously, it's a win for for Troy Terry, you know, betting on himself, and yeah, um, you know, obviously he thought he was worth eight mil, and and the arbitrator agreed, and I, I just don't know. I think I think part of the problem is is with the Ducks, they're not very like well known, like. We haven't seen a lot from them. Like they're, they're very under the radar. Like they're in a in the middle of a rebuild. They've had super high draft picks the past couple of years. So once you know 
they just brought in Alex Kalorn to a huge deal. Like, I don't really know if they're still in a rebuild or what they're doing. Like, like I, I don't understand. I don't really understand what direction they're they're trending in. And obviously, the you know time will tell with this Leo Carlson pick. But that was another thing that was kind of like a head scratcher to me. Is obviously it's easy for us right now to look at a player like Fantilli and be like. How can you pass up a player like Adam Fantilli, like a clear-cut number one center? And I'm not saying that Leo Carlson can't be that, but, you know, you already got McTavish and Zegras down the middle. I, right. I just don't understand what direction they're taking. And now you have Troy Terry on a huge ticket, you know, for the next seven years. So, like, I don't know how that's going to pan out. They still have to re-sign Zegras as well. Right. Like, they're, they're, they're one of those teams that I look at and as you were just saying, I agree. I look at them and I'm like, what is the plan here? Like, what are you guys trying to do? Are you trying to be bad again? Are you trying to be like a middling team? Like, I don't know. And the other thing is too, like, they don't excite me much. They're like when I think about the Ducks, like, I don't think of a highly entertaining, highly competitive, you know, energized team. I just think of like, oh, like it's the ducks, like what I, whatever. I think a Trevor Zegers. Yeah, Trevor, and even even not, him, like yeah, he it, he doesn't even excite me that much. And that that's that might be a little bit of a hot take, but like I don't know, dude. I, and I understand why he excites some people, but he just it, like I don't know his his whole attitude. Sometimes it, it rubs me the wrong way, and and obviously I don't know him personally, so this is just what I'm seeing on ice. But like shoving people, laughing in their faces, and then kind of skating away, doing his little trick shots. It's like, yeah, those are cool. They're highlight real goals for sure, but is that going to lead you to success? Like, like I want to see you set teammates up. I want to see you back up your guys. I want to see I want to see you mature as a player and a leader on that team. If you're part of the future and you're one of those cornerstone pieces, I want to see you become a leader in Anaheim. Be the guy. Be the guy that everyone looks to, and I don't see that right now. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and, and honestly, I'm looking at their roster right now, and I don't think it's a team that's going to compete this year, yeah. but they have a lot of young players coming up, man. Like, again, I think their decor is going to be really special um, in the mm -hmm. next couple of years. With Obviously, they have Drysdale, who's been getting yep. a ton of NHL minutes. Uh, Olin Zellwinger, who yep. was actually a, a – you know, a teammate of our buddy uh, Logan Stankoven over at uh, at Kamloops. And I was even talking to, to Logan today, and he just said how much of an unbelievable talent he was, uh, yeah. that Olin was. And I'm looking at their roster right now and some of the things that they've done this offseason. Obviously, they brought in Radko Gudis, yeah. um, who we know, man, Bruins fans definitely know about Radko Gudis. And uh, you know what? With, with Gudis, that's a guy who can maybe – start steering Zegers away from all the, the fancy stuff, not fancy stuff. Cause now I sound like an old asshole, but yeah. like, but like maturing his game. That's what I'm trying to say. Maturing his game. So it, it could go that way. It also could go the other way where Zegers feels like he, he can do some of this bullshit. And that too. <laughs> like, this is going to be fucking, but you know, right behind him to clean up the mess. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, I, I mean, you got to remember Zegras is still a kid. Like he's still young. He's still developing his game. He's still figuring it out. And just looking at this roster, like 
it's a team on paper that obviously you go, yeah, you know, you have a couple special players like McTavish obviously was a really high draft pick. Uh, Terry is good. Zegras, Drysdale, Cam Fowler. Um, they got uh, Nestorenko too. He was nasty at BC. Yeah. Um, and then you bring in guys like Gudis and Kalorn. So it makes you wonder like what direction they, they expect to go in this year. Cause I mean, Kalorn signed a huge ticket. Yeah. Uh, that was a huge deal for a player like Kalorn. I know he was obviously crucial to those Tampa teams, but what he's going to do on a young team like Anaheim, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's a special player and um, we'll see. Time will tell. It's, it's, it's almost like he's, they signed him to that contract to kind of come in and change the culture a bit because I feel like they're lacking identity. I, I don't think they have a full identity right now. I think they're – That's a good way to put it. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out who they are, and so they bring in this this veteran who's won cups, who's been in a winning franchise for a long time now, and he's bringing that over to kind of help integrate that into the younger players in Anaheim. So I I think for Anaheim, that, that deal is worth it. Um, I, Kalorn, he'll bring that – you know, that attitude of a Stanley cup contending team over to, to, um, you know, over to Anaheim and same with Gudis. He just came from a, a team in Florida as we Bruins fans, we all know fucking went on a, this deep magical playoff run. So he knows what it takes and he's bringing that over into Anaheim to hopefully spread that to the younger guys who haven't had the chance to experience that yet. Yeah. hundred percent. I, you know, obviously you look at this team and they have a lot of promise and, you hope they can turn or turn it around one of these years. Um, yeah. And I said, I said this at the draft that Leo Carlson was along with uh, Bedard and Fantilli, like he's an NHL ready center. Yeah. So I would not be surprised at all if he's getting, you know, time as the two center, maybe they put McTavish on the wing yeah, um, and let Leo, you know, play that two C role. Um, but, you know, I, I, I hope they can kind of turn it around. And I, those are two perfect guys to kind of change the culture of a team. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying with Carlson potentially playing some time, it's going to be a big year for rookies in the NHL. It's, yeah, that's exciting. I can't remember the last time where we've had more than maybe three or four legit rookies coming in and and expected to play a decent amount of games. Yeah, I, I mean, I right off the bat, I, the first that draft I kind of think of is the McDavid draft. Yeah. Uh, just because of how much hype there was with the number one and number two pick, obviously yeah. uh, being Eichel. Um, I think that's really the last time that I, that I can think of that, you know, and, and that draft was, was loaded that, that 2015 draft. They had uh, obviously Marner, yeah. uh, Dylan Strom was in Arizona. Um, looking at players like Noah Hannafin, Zaka, Provorov, Warensky, Timo Meyer, Rantanen, and that's just the top, and that's just the top ten, dude. Dude, that draft was loaded. Yeah, Holy yeah. shit! Bruins fans, we don't need to talk about that draft. But yeah, the top ten was good until we got to about, uh, you know, pick thirteen. <laughs> um, but you know, and then you look at Barzil, uh, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, like Brock Besser, Konechny. It just what a draft. It, Holy yeah, it's a, it was a that was the last time I can think of that had this amount of like NHL ready talent. Like yeah. I mean, dude, like think about it. We're talking obviously Connor Bedard, Leo Carlson, uh Adam Fantilli, and those are the guys that were draft drafted. I mean, think guys like Devin Levi too in Buffalo. 
there's there's other guys who are coming up for their rookie seasons who could light it up too. It's yeah. I can't wait for the season, dude. Yeah. I I was thinking about it today. Like I can't wait to just get home from work, throw on whatever it's called, NHL Center Ice. I know they change it, but I don't know what it's called. ESPN Plus, whatever, and I, and just binge watch games all night long. I can't wait. Man, I last year was one of the first years where, um, that was the same way. Man, I would get home and that shit would be on immediately as soon as i walked in i and i would just leave it on like be doing homework or whatever and like you could keep that on even until like the late like 10 p.m west coast like games yeah when you when you get like san jose arizona (laughs) yeah Yeah, when you're up late betting fucking arizona money line (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh yeah i mean i'm I'm so ready for it like it's it's time it's 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 time i saw i saw your tweet today it was like man i'm ready for some and I, i was like I went back and posted that uh that Bruins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I need hockey back. I need it back. Speaking, speaking of our Bruins, man, two big big signings that we had this week. Um obviously the first being Jeremy Swayman. Um yep. signing a one year three point four seven five million dollar deal, and then uh Trent Frederick signing a two year four point six million dollar deal. Um I said this immediately as as the news broke um on the hockey night in, in new england now i think these are two very fair deals for both sides and honestly i think not to kind of bounce back and forth but i think this i think jeremy swayman could have easily gotten more than 3.475 yeah um, so i think to have that for one year until that cap goes up i think that these are two great deals for this team what, what are your what are your thoughts on these deals? I think so too. And I, uh, me and Mel were talking about this on Something's Brewing too uh, last episode. If say Jeremy Swayman wasn't an RFA, right? Completely hypothetical, obviously. But say he's a UFA, he's just testing the market, whatever. He honestly could have probably got somewhere around like five or six mil a year. But obviously, since he's an RFA, I think the one year is awesome for both the Bruins and the player. Because if Swayman comes in this year and same thing as he goes with Allmark, they split it about 50-50, right? And they have similar seasons, maybe not the same, because, I mean, that's going to be hard to do. Right. Um, but if he comes in and he puts up good numbers again, then – and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's an RFA again next season, right? I think he becomes a UFA next year. Okay, he becomes a UFA. I do, do not hold me to that. Um, okay. I'm like 90, 90% positive. Well, either way, he he gets to re-up his deal again. So yeah. take a little bit of a pay cut, help the team right now. And then I'm sure there were conversations behind closed doors too with Swayman's camp and, and you know, Sweeney and, um, and Neely that take a little bit of a pay cut this year. We're going to make it work next year with the money when the cap goes up and you're going to get paid. Like we will take care of you. You will get paid. And that's just me. Obviously no no information on that whatsoever. It's just my thoughts on it. I'm assuming that's what it is, but having him for another year at that, at that money clip is great for Boston. It's good for the player. I think it works both sides. Um, Now with Frederick, that is huge for Boston. And it's in it's a good deal for Frederick too. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was it was two years, two point three seven five. Was that it? 
Yeah, the the total was four point six million. So four point six. Okay, so two point three. Yeah, that and for Frederick, that's a great deal. I mean, you saw him; he had what seventeen goals last year, three away from twenty. Um, if he's playing third line minutes alongside, say, Geeky and probably Jacob Lauko, that's a solid third line. He's going to get plenty of depth scoring. Um, he'll probably get more time on the PK than the power play, but he'll probably be interchangeable. You throw him out there, see what happens. Um, and you get him for two years and the cap expecting to jump, um, you know, a, a decent number next off season. You have Trent Frederick at 2.3 for another year after this upcoming season. It's, it's, it's a great deal for both parties. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look at that deal too. And, and, Something that I kind of notice about Monty, the way that he coaches, um, he's not afraid to try different combinations. Right. Um, and, and I I would not be shocked to see Trent Frederick on that second line. Right. Um, right. And, and with the chemistry that him and Coyle had last season, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if at some point, if, if combinations aren't working or even if it starts out that way. A line of Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick, and Jake DeBrusque on a second line. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. And like I said, obviously, you know, you you have two players like Coyle and and Freddie who are not afraid to get in the dirty areas and muck it up. And then, you know, and that kind of lets DeBrusque DeBrusque do his thing and, and, you know, play that role as as a scorer on that line. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that as maybe the second line combination. And then obviously with Marshy, Zaka and pasta on that first line, I, I wouldn't hate that. Um, and then, and then if that, if that combination does work out, you have him for a little over two mil at playing second line minutes. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. And like, like you said too, say, cause I think they're going to, and this is just my thought process on it. I think they're going to start the year with JVR coil and DeBrusque mm-hmm. and Say JVR is not working, it's not clicking, he's not producing, um, he's looking a little sluggish. Throw Frederick up there. And like you yeah. said, that could work as well. His his, his chemistry with Coyle um, was obviously unbelievable last year. One of the main reasons why he was producing as well as he was. Yeah. Um, it, it, I could easily see that. Easily yeah, you know, see that. And that line loses a player like Taylor Hall, but you're replacing him with, with DeBrusque, who right. last year played consistent first-line minutes. Who says that Trent Frederick doesn't put up another 17 goals this year? Who, right. I mean, you know, you're, he's going to be getting more minutes on that. You know, obviously the mat, you know, matchup, it becomes a little more complicated matchup wise because you're not on a loaded third line playing against, you know, so obviously you're probably going to be playing against better lines, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, but I love that combination of, of coil. And I think just to kind of, you know, pump coils tires, I think he makes, everyone around him better just the yeah. way that he plays and, and and you know how smart he is on the ice I, I think he makes everyone around him better and I think that's a perfect perfect person to have uh you know alongside uh, a player like Frederick who's still kind of trying to find his way obviously had a great season last year but um I, I would love that combination and JVR getting third line minutes I mean that's I wouldn't hate that either I'm sure he probably wouldn't either I mean yeah the way the way this team is going into the year, I don't really see them having a first line, second line, third line. Um, I think it's just going to be like kind of trial by error. Yeah, and, it's like almost like you're rolling out the lines based on the situation. It's going to be situational lines. Um, and like you said too, with Coil, 
I think he he's so underrated as a player. Um, he's a he. I will say he's the best third line center in the league, more than capable of playing second line minutes, maybe even first line minutes. He might not get you 70, 80 points a year, but it's almost. And I don't want to compare him. I'm I'm actually not even going to go there. But his two way game, his two way game is so so good and he is so responsible in the defensive end that he'll just eat up zone time minutes you know what i mean the way that he protects the puck he uses his body he's so big and he just goes into the corner and he just his puck possession game is unbelievable and he's always finding the open guy and like you said his his chemistry with frederick i mean they played together all last year like if you have to go back to it it's not even going it's not even doing it on like an emergency basis it's doing it because you know it works you saw it all last all last season excuse me work and you're confident in putting those two together they work so well coil is so reliable he's 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 a very 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 good option for that two that two seat you know yeah 100 percent. and you know i i think his two-way game really took uh uh that, that next step playing with Patrice Bergeron. Um, yeah. just kind of, he's always been a responsible player, even going back to his days in Minnesota before we got him here in Boston. But I think him kind of playing with Bergeron and seeing how he operates, and I think that's really where he took his game to that next level. And like you said, I can't think of another a better third-line center than him. I think he's yeah. going to take on that second-line center role fine. Yeah. Um, I think he's more probably comfortable in that third-center role, but – I think he's going to do just fine. I mean, no matter who he plays with, he, he makes everyone around him better. He, like you said, he's responsible. He's, you know, he protects the puck really well. And and I think whoever he plays with, I think is, is going to have a good year. Yeah. I mean, we saw him in the playoffs last year, thrive in that role when Bergeron was hurt. So um, I, I think there's too many fans right now pressing the panic button, seeing Coyle as our two C and they're going to learn quick that, that, you know, they were wrong to press that button. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so earlier today, uh, we, we got news that a potential deal could be going down this weekend. Um, Elliot Friedman reporting that Eric Carlson could be traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins and that that deal could be done as early as uh, Sunday. Um what are your thoughts on this deal? And, and do you think that Carlson kind of puts the Penguins back in that kind of playoff, uh, back in a playoff push? And, and you know, do do that? Does that deal even make them like top three in the Metro for you? I don't know, because what are you going to have to like? What's Pittsburgh going to have to give up to get them? First of all, well, look look at look at it from you know San Jose's perspective. Yeah. What, what is San Jose doing? They're in a clear rebuild right now. So, I mean, they're right. going to want picks. They're going to want young players. They're going to want, you know, young assets to help expedite that rebuild. Um, I could also see them wanting some, like, pieces that can play now. Right. Um, and, and if they have to give up, you know, some talent that is in their lineup now, I don't think that makes them a playoff team at all. Um, and to be honest, with them even acquiring – uh, Eric Carlson, that does not put them in my top four in the division. Yeah, that I was going to say that as well. It, it, it doesn't change much for me, if I'm being 100% honest. And I mean, yeah, we, we all have had this conversation before, but 
Carlson winning the Norris uh, over a hundred points, but he was still a minus player. Um, yes, that was on a crappy San Jose team, but Pittsburgh is is really not a powerhouse. Yes, they have Crosby. Yes, they have Malkin. But then you look at the rest of their lineup. It's like Riley Smith, Lars Eller, Matt Nieto, Nola Chari, and the d- defensive end Latang. I mean, you would probably put Carlson with Latang, right? If if they got it. Well, if they got him. If it's me. Or do you do the McAvoy-Lindholm situation and split them yeah, up? It's a hard call because I think Latang. I think it could be it could be a pair that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to see what else they have. Um, well, right now, so so with Pittsburgh, their defensive lines as of now: Ryan Graves, Chris Latang, uh, Pedersen, Jeff Petrie, Joseph, and then Jan Ruda. That's their top six defense right now. So you'd be looking if you added Carlson in there, you would probably take out Joseph. I mean, I could see. You know, you just mentioned they brought in a player like Ryan Graves, who was a—I mean, he was a solid stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah, pair those two up. I could see something like that potentially working. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to overload one defensive pair, especially a team like Pittsburgh, where. They're very top heavy, both offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, I think I would want to maybe spread it out more, and I think a pairing of Carlson and Graves is something that could that could work out. Um, yeah. Kind of let let Carlson be that wild card offensively and kind of do his thing, um, and then have Graves obviously be that stay at home defenseman. I, I think that's something that could work. Does it put them in a position for a playoff spot? I don't think so. Yeah, that, to answer that second part of your question, does it put them in the top three? No. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. Every That division's too good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we'll get into our rankings after, but it, they're a fringe four team for me in that division. They Like, it's very close for me. Um, I still don't think they make the playoffs this year. But And I, that's actually a good point where we can kind of roll into our Metro rankings. Um because this was really hard to do, man. It, like very similar to the uh, Atlantic, I was having a real hard time with this. And and obviously, yeah. you know, you you had mentioned that you were too. And th- this thing could go. This is like an injury away from completely changing. Like right, so so many ways. Um, do you want to start it off with with your rankings? Yeah, I'll start off. So we'll just go one through eight, and then you'll do your one through eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we can just kind of talk about it and. Uh, I'm sure they're completely they're they're I'm sure they're probably a little different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can you can start us off. So, like you said, it, it could draw it could go either way, right? For it, it was so hard, but I really struggled with 5 through 7. That's where I was yeah. you know, getting into the meat and potatoes of, of this division. But in first, I have Carolina. There you know. We're already off. We're already off. <laughs> there we go. So, I mean, you got – I switched it last minute. But you got Rod the Bod. You got that system working. You got Aho, Bunting, Jarvis, Sveshnikov, Kokaniemi, Natchez, Martinuk, Saul, blah, blah, blah. And then, But where it really gets into it, it's their defensive unit. It is so good. You got Jacob Slavin, one of the best, most underrated defensemen in the league. Brent, uh, Brent Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pesce. Dmitry Orlov, 
And then Tony D'Angelo too. I mean, that's a stacked defensive unit. And then you got um, uh, Freddie Anderson and Anthony Renta in, in net too. And if they can stay healthy, you know, th- that's a solid goaltending uh, duo. And you have um, uh, what's his name down in in Charlotte? Um, what is his name? The uh, Russian kid uh, for Carolina. Yes, yes, he played a couple games last year. Uh, he was on my fantasy team for a bit too. I, I forget his name. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, look that up and get that name back to me. But so I have Carolina winning the division. In second, I have the New York Rangers. Um, I think they're just a little bit more skilled, a little bit more experienced than New Jersey. Um, you can't, you know, bet against Igor Shosturkin. Their defense again is stacked. They got a stacked forward group too. But at three, I have the Devils. Um, Meyer, Heesher, Mercer, Brat, Hughes, Toffoli. Toffoli's a huge addition. Same with um, Timo Meyer extension. Um, defensively, Siegenthaler, Hamilton, full season of Luke Hughes, John Marino, um, Kevin Ball, uh, Ty Smith, Vanacek. Nasty team. So the top three, the top three honestly are kind of interchangeable for me, but that's how I see it shaken up. Four, I have Columbus. That's that's my little surprise here. But Columbus, I have a four. I think Fantilli's going to have a huge year. Patrick Line is going to be healthy. Johnny Gaudreau, obviously. Boone Jenner. Zach Orensky is going to be healthy. They got Ivan Provorov back there. Um, Severson, they brought in. Sever- yeah, Severson, Peak, Bogfist, Good Branson. Uh, they're fucking underrated team. Merzlikens yeah. in net. But here's where it gets a little shaky. Five, I have Pittsburgh. Six, I have the Islanders. Seven, I have Washington. And then eight, I have Philly. Philly's a dumpster fire. Yeah, I mean, that. I like what they've – honestly, I I agree. They're not anywhere close. Yeah. One My favorite pick in this year's draft was Mitch Cobb. Oh, I, love, I love the fact that Danny Briere is, you know, taking a chance. And obviously the relationship um, based on what Mitch Cobb said at the draft, uh, you know, sounds like they have a really good re- uh, working relationship. And um, there's an expectation that he could be over here as early as this year. Yeah. Um, I love that pick. Obviously they're not anywhere close. Our rankings are not that far off, to be okay. honest. Um, my number one team in the Metro, I've got New Jersey. Okay. Um, uh, like I said, you mentioned that decor um, similar to Carolina, just solid all the way through. And now you're adding for a full season, Luke Hughes, yeah. Simone Nemec. Like, again, you re-sign Timo Meyer, you bring in Tyler Toffoli. I think this is a team that very well could make it to the, you know, could make a cup run. Oh, yeah. uh, my number two team, Carolina. Um, love what they've done this offseason. Again, we mentioned the Ajo you know, re-signing there. Love that deal for them. You're going to get uh, Svenchikov back. You bring in a player like Dmitry Orlov. I love what they've done this offseason. Um, my number three team is the Rangers. Um, mm. Like you had said, I think all three of those teams are interchangeable. I just – that's what I happen to go with. I, I love them bringing in Blake Wheeler. I think that's going to be a good signing for them. Obviously, they lose Tarasenko. Um, but, again, they have – saw. Whenever you have a goalie like Shesterkin, um, you have a Norris winning defenseman like Adam Fox back there. Um, you still got the Breadman. You still got Kaner. Well, Kaner hasn't re-signed, but um, 
I would guess he's probably going to go back there. I, I would be shocked if he went anywhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Banajad is nasty. Kreider, um, solid team. My number four team, I actually completely agree with you, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Nice. Um, man, I, you know, I, I, I'm not super high. I have my Calder pick. I still think that Fantilli's going to have a fantastic year. Um, going down their roster, man, what they've done this season, bringing in Ivan Provorov, bringing in Damon Severson. Like, you still have Johnny Hockey. You have Patrick Lyonne. You have a phenomenal leader in Boone Jenner. Underrated player at that. So, so underrated. Um, I think he's going to be a great mentor to, to Fantilli, and eventually Fantilli will take that first-line center role. Um, underrated team. And I think I listening to Yarmo Kekalainen at the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup, he is ready for this team to make the jump. Yep. He, thinks that, he thinks that he's put them in a position to make that make that jump. He's brought in enough talent to do so, and I agree with him. I think on paper this is a team that definitely can – I don't know if they can win this division, but they can for sure damn well – compete yep um yeah my next team i've got the pittsburgh penguins yeah um anytime you have you know two future hall of fame three i'd say malkin crosby latang you know if they bring in carlson i, I think that's a, a team that they're on the fringe um I, I still i don't think they fully get there like it's too bad i don't think they did enough this offseason to kind of you know, Crosby and Malkin are getting older. Um, I still see Crosby getting 70-plus points. Um, I just don't think that they're they're going to be able to compete with those teams like Carolina, New Jersey, New, you know, the Rangers. I just don't, yeah. don't see it, dude. They're, they're just not deep enough. They're yeah, really not. Very top-heavy, like we mentioned. Um, again, I, I just can't see them being able to play three periods with teams like you know, the Devils and Carolina. My next, So my next team after that is the Islanders. Obviously, they pay, they play such a fucking pet game, dude. Uh, it's just, you know, they got guys, obviously, Barzil, um, Orvat, Sorokin, and Net. I just, again, it, it's something, it's every year with this Islanders team, man. I, I don't know what it is and what, what they're missing. Um, they play a very pesky game. No, I won't. I wouldn't say boring, but just it's, I don't. I can't even explain it. I I just don't see them being able to compete with. I feel like every other team in that division has gotten significantly better, where they've kind of stayed stagnant. Yes, like, like obviously Horvat was an unbelievable addition. Um, other than that, I I don't really know what they've done. Like, obviously Lou Lamorello, like. Again, this is another team that, like, what direction are you guys going? Like, it could go either way. You yeah. could start with a fucking rebuild or, again, it doesn't seem like they're going to try to compete. Like, I, I don't know what direction they're taking. I have – they have a couple really good defensemen that I love, uh, Pulak and uh, Noah Dobson. Mm -hmm. I think those are two really underrated guys. Um, and then I mentioned Sorokin, who's a top five goalie in the league. Um, I still have them, you know – that low and then the last team obviously we agreed with the flyers being last um i have after the islanders i have the capitals um again we talked about this earlier with the tom wilson deal i just don't see them competing <laughs> like yeah i really want to see ovechkin break that record um 
I just can't, again, I can't see this team being able to compete with the Carolinas, the, you know, the, the jerseys, the fucking Rangers. I, I can't see it happening. It just they're a matchup nightmare, and I don't think they have enough firepower to be able to match up with those teams. So Yeah, it, and those teams' youth is 10 times better than, than, like, the Caps and the Pens' youth. It's not even close. Yeah, I think overall we have, like, a pretty similar list, but yeah. I think, like you had mentioned, that top, you know, whatever, fuck, three, four teams are interchangeable. Yeah. I'd say three. I think Columbus at four is a pretty safe pick. Yeah. The so top that, three are. Yeah. Any, I mean, barring any like catastrophic injuries, like that, that top three could easily change. Yeah. Um, it's going to be changing all season long too. It's going to sure. come down to the last, like the last 10 games. And call me crazy, dude. This was more difficult to rank than our Atlantic predictions. It was. Because, yeah. I feel like the teams were very like, way closer than like the Atlantic. Like, yes, I, I don't know. It, it was way more difficult for me at least. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's because like, I mean, I think Carolina, New York, and New Jersey, in New York as in the Rangers, I think those three teams are so similar in their, in their skill levels and their depth in their lineup and their goaltending, especially with the, well, actually, not the goaltending. Scratch that. But um, the depth just of scoring and defensively, they're they're all so similar, and it's going to come down to the wire. That is going to be, I think, outside of the Atlantic, this division is going to be must watch hockey all season long, especially when they're playing each other. Oh yeah, it's going to be a fucking dogfight, dude. Yes, yeah, like oh, yeah. not to mention a lot of these teams already hate each other to begin with. Right, and you just saw the Rangers and the Devils have an insane playoff series last year. Like exactly, you got and you got to think that's going to boil over into this year. I mean, the, with the Rangers and Devils, they're both going to be right, you know, competing for that Metro spot. Like, right. I think I think like I said, the the between the Atlantic and the in the Metro, they're both going to be dogfights. Yeah. Must watch hockey, both those divisions. Oh my god, all season long. Yeah. Um. So I think we can kind of transition a little bit um the Holinka gretzky cup has been going on i don't know if you've been able to watch any of that or, or hear anything about that uh, i've been yeah i've been trying to keep up with it but i haven't been able to catch a full game yet yeah it's it's unbelievable hockey um even though you were kind of shitting on my tv quality <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude I, you know I, I caught the uh i caught the canada game what was it yesterday i believe mm-hmm. and uh man unbelievable hockey just like and these are like kids too like young kids playing this game and and like these are these are future like number one overall picks that you're that i'm watching and there were a few names that i that i was watching obviously cole eiserman i think we all know about cole eiserman he you know projected to go you know top two top three next year um for the development national development program um and i i want to say he's committed to minnesota um, let me check on that. But again, he was one that really stood out for me when I watched the U S um, and he, he just looks like a clear cut, um, top pick. Like he, he's someone that obviously I know he's still, you know, got to play another year at national college, whatever he decides. Um, but he like just watching him, he looks like he was two, three steps ahead of everyone. Um, yeah. And he is committed to Minnesota. Um, 
from Newburyport, Mass. Pretty crazy. I was going to say, yeah, he is a Mass kid. So, yeah. So, it's it, it, Sweeney. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Maybe we tank and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude. And then obviously, yes, uh, the other day I was watching Slovakia and, uh, Canada and Canada is just a fucking powerhouse, dude. Like yeah. I was watching these kids and I love draft talk. Like I love like watching these prospects and like kind of watching them evolve throughout the year and like like seeing the hype of them. Like you kind of like I remember watching it with like Shane Wright and then you watch his draft year and obviously he had a phenomenal year and then see him at the draft and everything. Same thing with Bedard. Like you get to watch how much he progresses and like the unbelievable numbers he puts up. And there are a few names that I am really excited to watch this season. Um, the first being Berkeley Catton. Uh, he's played center for, for Canada. And he, he's the captain for that team. And he just, again, he's unbelievable, unbelievable talent. I They have him ranked right now, like projected to go top 10. I could see him easily going top five, I'd say. We'll yeah. see how the year pans out, but he's unbelievable talent. Um, now, it, is he – so you said he was playing for Team Canada? Yeah, he was on Canada. So is he playing juniors or is he in the NCAA? No, so he'll be playing a um, – he'll be playing another year for the Spokane Chiefs. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, he's he, – this Halinka tournament, he's – it's a loaded team. Um, but most of these guys will go back and play for their junior team. Um and he's on a line with uh, Michael Miza. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about him. Uh, he's not draft eligible this year. I believe he's going to be draft eligible um, in 25, mm-hmm. which he's already projected number one overall. I was um, going to say, I have heard of him. Um, old dude, he, like, again, he just looks like he's two, three steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. He's on a line with that Berkeley cat, and then they are just fucking tearing it up. And, just both unbelievably talented kids um, watching, you know, they would have like in between period inter, um, like interviews and they just seem like years ahead. You know what I mean? Like maturity wise, obviously like physically they're going to have to, you know, get in not better shape, but they're gonna, bigger, stronger when you're playing with grown men. But man, yeah. these kids unbelievably talented. It's just, I think back to like when we were like 16 years old and like, I'm like, these kids look like oh my God. it's unbelievable, like how fast, how well they think the game, how far ahead of they are, like with all their peers. It's unbelievable to see, dude. Chris, when I was 16, I could barely tape my stick. I, I didn't even know which direction to use the stone on my skates. My old man was still taping my uh, – or uh, still tying my skates. <laughs> yeah. I used, like, the little, like, the uh, the tool where you pull it to tighten the laces up. Yeah, dude, I'd get out there and my ankles would be at, like, 90 degrees. <laughs> you got the clear tape wrapped around your ankles? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd still have tape on the bottom of my skates every time I go out there and just fucking <laughs> – yeah, you go with your skate guards on. <laughs> these kids, these kids are doing the Michigan and and flying around. We're we're we're. I'm still, I'm still wearing a neck guard and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it's so crazy to watch. Like, it, it is insane. It really makes you wonder and uh, really re- reevaluate your life. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get out, get outside, and you know, at 28, start practicing my Michigan for beer league, and yeah. So, but yeah, man, this this. I had never seen this tournament and I just happened to like flip it on and, and I don't know why I'd never even like 
thought to tune into it, but it's like all future prospects and everything. And, and that's one thing I really like to keep, uh, like keep note of is yeah. these kids that, you know, cause then you can keep track throughout the year. And, um, obviously as Bruins fans, we don't really have to worry about first round picks anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but you know, you never know. I mean, if, if moves are made, you'd like to, I like to know who these kids are and, and obviously yeah. With this U.S. team, the the only two teams I've seen, obviously the Slovaks um, in Canada and the U.S. a little bit. This draft is going to be really special, and and I would say even maybe equal to this year's. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be a clear clear cut number one. I think there's a couple kids that could definitely make make an argument. We mentioned Cole Eiserman and um, Macklin Celebrini who he's going to be at BU this season. Um, I think those are the really two names um, to keep an eye on for, for this draft. And then um, I want to mention a defenseman to Sam Dickinson of the London Knights. Um, Super talented kid. I I think he's a, he's a player that could potentially sneak into that top two, top three, Um, by far the best defenseman in this draft. Um, Just, you know, smooth with the puck like just very responsible in the defensive zone jumps up in the play every so often i that's another name to keep you know keep an eye on yeah 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 so does this so is it um how long does this go on for yeah honestly i i don't even know like so it looks like i'm looking at right now Cause like you said, like I hadn't, like I knew it was a thing, but I've never sat down and watched it. And, and with work being so crazy, like I hardly have yeah. time to actually sit down and watch. So I'm learning this from you right now. Yeah. So it looks like the third place game is going to be tomorrow um, against the U S is going to be playing Finland for the third place. Um, August 5th looks like 5 PM. Mm-hmm. Oh no. 10 oh, or wait, 11 a.m. local time. So 11 our time? It's oh, <laughs> great. Like we said uh, earlier, we're not math guys. We don't know how to – we're not time zone guys. Uh, we, one of these days with uh, prime time, we're going to get a math guy in here to, to help us out. <laughs> we'll put him on the books. We'll put yeah, him on we'll, the books. Uh, we'll get him back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pay him eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, does he take Monopoly money? <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. So obviously, yeah, we talked a ton about these free agents. A ton has happened this past week, dude. Like, I'm kind of glad we were at the tail end of the week, because um, obviously today with the Tom Wilson signing and um, all the Bruins signings, I'm kind of glad that we got to do the tail end of the week. Um, yeah. So I, like I said, we're still in like you, like you say, the dog days of the off season, and uh, I think this was a really good episode. Um, just being able to finally talk some like real hockey and not just make up fucking talk about Trent Frederick's arbitration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. I can get exhausting, but um, so we're gonna we're gonna play the Mark McLaughlin interview, correct? Right, right. Uh, as we finish this up. Yep. As soon as we finish this, uh, we're gonna be joined by um, current Boston Bruins forward Mark McLaughlin. Um, he's also the captain of Boston College. Um, local kid. Um. Shout out Bill Ricca. Yeah, Bill Ricca kid. Just <laughs> just such an incredible kid, man. So so friendly. Like, um, we've been in contact now for like a couple weeks, and he just was 
he seemed really excited about coming on and talking. And obviously he was really open about all the questions we asked. And um, I'm really excited for him this season. Um, I think he really has a chance to kind of make a name for himself. And hopefully we, you know, we see him with the, uh, the big team. Yeah, man. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, such a nice down to earth kid. Um, you know, it, it didn't even really feel like an interview. We were just shooting the shit with them. Um, talking about obviously his time in BC, his time growing up playing youth hockey in mass. And, and you guys will all hear it as the interview plays in just a couple minutes, but um, you know, pleasure to have him on. We can't thank him enough for coming on to the show either. Um, and I'm really excited for him. I, I think he could get some time with Boston, you know, maybe some looks on that fourth line. Um, you could, he could, you know, you could see him up with the team. So it was an awesome conversation and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed it. Yeah. Before we send you over to, uh, to Mark, uh, want to give, again, give a huge shout out to primetime productions. Um, super honored to be, you know, a part of the team and, um, see where this takes us. Um, again, thank you guys so much and, uh, hope you guys enjoy this, uh, Mark McLaughlin interview. Thanks guys. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, Episode 6. We are with Boston Bruins forward Mark McLaughlin. Mark, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. Yeah, so happy to have you. How, how's the offseason going? Uh, uh, how many times – how much – like, how often do you are you skating? Um, been in the gym every day at Warrior, which is obviously great for me because being a local guy, um, you know, being able to be around family and friends and also be able to be with the Boston trainers is awesome. Um, and then we've had some good skates going on at Warrior and, uh, you know, in different areas of the city as well, probably like three or four times a week, I'd say for now. And then you start kind of ramping up as, as you get closer to, uh, you know, camp starting which is roughly around september 20th normally at least that's when it started up last year so yeah obviously we saw uh saw you on the ice last night for the uh three on three tournament it's it's amazing to see you guys um how skilled you guys are in such a small space and just the level of talent um what's it like playing with all those guys in that tournament and uh you know on the in the three on three and um here locally too yeah it's cool you know one of the good things about uh, you know, growing up in New England is that there's so many great players in this area. So, um, and obviously a lot of pro guys stick around here to be in the city. Um, but yeah, so it's good. It's great competition. The three on three is always tough. It's a small area. And, um, there's not much space out there, but, um, you know, it's really good for working on those individual skills and those types of thoughts. Yeah. Um, you got something, Mikey? Yeah, man. I was just going to say, obviously, being a mass kid growing up in Billerica, um, you got to captain BC. What was it like, you know, youth hockey growing up in Massachusetts, playing in this system, and then eventually graduating up into BC and playing for the Eagles? What what did that mean to you? How did that, you know, turn you into the player you are today? And and how what benefits did it give you? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so fortunate. Like you said, like being being from Billerica when I was younger, I, I wanted to go to BC, you know, and, um, you know, you end up working your way up there, you know, you work your way through Cushing and, and Mass Youth Hockey or whatever, and you keep just building, building your game as you go. And then you're like, wow, wow, I'm at BC. Like, this is incredible. And um, there's so many 
the, the great thing about that is so many great coaches to learn from so many great players that you're, you know, that are pushing you and, and making you a better player um, and a better person on and off the ice as well. So, um, you know, and then you make this, this step and sign pro and you're able to stick around your hometown, your, uh, your home city. And it's, it's unbelievable. And like I always tell everyone, I'm, I'm so lucky to be in this situation. And, um, you know, I know, I know a lot of local kids would, would love to have that path that I've been on. Um, so it's something I try to not take for granted and, you know, carry with me. Yeah. So to caveat off that, how, like how much of an honor was it to, to wear the C for BC and, um, like, man, that's a huge honor, especially playing for such an elite school um, with such, you know, great tradition. What what was that like? How much of an honor was that to you? And then also, what was it like playing for uh, Coach York? Yeah, um, you know, that's another thing. You can't take that for granted, too. I was so fortunate to be, you know, to wear a letter at BC. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure I was I – was, being the best role model I could be for the rest of the guys in the room, you know, whether that's, you know, being vocal in the, in the locker room or it's, you know, working as hard as I can on the ice to set a good example. So um, that, that really, I think matured me throughout my hockey career, getting that opportunity to be a captain at BC and, um, you know, gave me some leadership experience that, you know, I still try to carry with me today. Um, Playing for coach York was unbelievable. You know, like that was, I was like shell shocked when I walked in the locker room and, you know, got to play for the best college coach ever. Uh, he's, he's just a, such an unbelievable person. Like it, the way he carries himself, you know, the life lessons. And then, you know, on top of that, the hockey mind that he has, is it's, it's like an un, unstoppable force. And, you know, it speaks to you know the success that he's had over the years, just dominating college hockey. So, um, you know, it was, it was such an honor to, to play for him. And, um, you know, I still reach out to him and he reaches out to me. And uh, it's always good to catch up with him. Got to get on the golf course with him soon. Nice. Yeah. You play, you play, how often do you play? Golf? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't play too much. My game's in a bad, bad place. But oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, all of, that's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> this summer I try to get out. You know, it's it's nice. To, it's a good way to catch up with friends, too. And you know, just kind of play around and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it definitely needs to, definitely needs to get better. <laughs> you're, you're not alone. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of staying on that BC track. Um, obviously you've, you had some unbelievable teammates, Matt Boldy, Alex Newhook, uh, Mike Hardman, Oliver Wallstrom, Jack McBain, just to name a few. Um, do you still keep in contact with those guys? And, and what was it like playing with, with that level of skill and, um, like, yeah, do you still keep in contact with those guys? Yeah. Um, some of them were actually here in Boston this past weekend. But so a lot of those guys were my roommates, too. So, um, you know, and I always say, like, like the year Matt Boldy had, he had an unbelievable year. Like, uh, there's, I'm not surprised, in, in, you know, at all. Like, he – all those guys are just such good people and, and such good players, too. And, like, I'm not surprised to see the success they've been having at the – you know, whether it is NHL, AHL level, um, you know, they've been playing great. And, uh, you know, it made going to the rink so fun because those guys are so competitive and our practices were, you know, just top notch with, with skill and power pushing each other. So, I mean, that sets you up 
to go into pro and be a little bit more ready for it because you're already playing against guys that are that competitive and, and that skilled. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it helped me a lot and, and it was just such a, it made, it made the experience at BC that much better because those guys are just like top notch guys and made it so fun. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, a lot of those guys being your buddy and um, obviously like your roommate, I was just watching the behind the B episode about when you first signed your deal and you were still you were still on campus and everything. How how has life changed since then? Um, have you finally been able to kind of get off campus and, and and find your own place? And what's up in like that adjustment? Yeah, they they kicked me out of the dorms. Unfortunately, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't let me be in, in RA. But well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been it's been nice, uh, you know, living on your own now and. Uh, you know, being in an apartment, it's just a whole, that's about, that's the whole process of being a, a pro, you know, and it's, that's the big jump. You're living on your own. You're, you know, uh, you know, taking care of yourself on your own. You're not being surrounded by your team or, or whatnot, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it's definitely changed. I definitely miss BC for sure. You know, those, uh, being in the, being in the dorm rooms with the guys and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, spent most of the year in Providence, as you guys know, in great city, uh, really enjoyed it there, spent a ton of time with teammates there as well. We all live pretty close together. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great now in the city for, uh, for the summer and, um, spent a little time in Bill Rickett too, catching up with my family and whatnot, but, uh, but it's been great. Yeah. Um, and then also I wanted to, uh, bring up, when, when you finally found out that the, like the Bruins were interested in signing you, what, what was that like? Obviously being a childhood Bruins fan, like what, what was that experience like fine um, signing that first contract and, you know, getting on the ice with, with those guys? Yeah, I feel like it didn't really hit me till this, uh, this past summer kind of, cause I was just going in there. Well, obviously it was great. I was super fired up. Um, <laughs> it's a dream come true and whatnot. Um, but I was just like kind of laser focused and like a, just like a state or just like, I just dialed in, you know? Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, I was just, well, I was just trying to make sure I, I was going to help the team and, you know, have an impact and, and help those guys out as much as I can. So I was like, just staying super dialed in. And then in the summer, I, you know, like talking with my family and whatnot, kind of, thinking of the whole thing it was like wow like pretty incredible that I got the opportunity to sign in Boston and stay home play in front of family friends and you know have the people that have supported me like all through my hockey career be there you know for my first game and um you know to go through that this journey like and have them there is, is pretty cool yeah getting to share that kind of experience with you know the whether it was the coaches or just mentors growing up having them be able to come and witness your first shift in the NHL, come watch you, you know, excel in the national. Um, I just wanted to ask too, obviously growing up being a Bruins fan, as we've said too, from the area, was there any, you know, who was your favorite player growing up? Was there anybody, you know, on the Bruins or any other teams in the NHL that you tried to, you know, emulate your game after or almost someone you looked up to as a role model? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was definitely Bergeron, um, as as with everyone, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, uh, he, I played center. I played center mostly growing up. We played a little bit of wing now too, but um, 
you know, I try to replicate my game after his, but you know, if I'm half the player he is, it's, that's, that's a good thing. But, uh, um, yeah, I just respect his, his 200 foot game, how he plays. He's so honest with the way he plays. Uh, he's good on both sides of the puck. He is such a good leader. He, um, it just, he has so many great attributes. And, um, so I've always looked up to him as a kid. He's always my favorite player and whatnot. So, obviously going to the team it was like incredible being able to have the chance to play with him and then to now like get kind of a behind the scenes look at at how he operates and why he's so good and um you know why the team's been so good and uh you know how he leads and how he leads at the front by you know leading the way and and being the perfect uh you know setting the perfect example and and doing all the right things so it's uh yeah, I can't say enough is like really, really cool to get that opportunity before you're retired. Um, and, you know, ET was super nice to me and I would always uh, be asking how my family's doing and, and whatnot. He's always trying to form like a, a connection with, with every single player on the team, whether it's a call up or a new guy or um, the guys that have been around for a while. So I really appreciated that. Make You definitely made me feel like very comfortable going in there. Um which, which makes it easier for me, you know? So, um, yeah, was, he's such a good guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Bergeron retiring last week, um, I think it kind of shook the whole city of Boston and yeah. all of Massachusetts for that matter. And, you know, you, you just talked a lot about him on the ice um, and just how he was such a model citizen off the ice. Um, what are the biggest things that, that you're going to take with you that you learned from Bergie? Um you know, for years to come in your own career? Yeah. Um, just the little things like he, there was different tendency. Like he was always one of the first being him and Marshawn are one of the first people at the rink every day. Um, and I was a young guy, obviously trying to show up early as well. And they would be, you know, older veterans are showing up as soon as the young guys. And like, that's, that's just building, building culture. And, and there's no one better at that than, than Bergie. Um, so it's just different stuff like that, how you treat people, like how he was, you know, like I said, he made me feel welcomed. He made everyone on the team feel welcomed. And, and then he brings, you know, he, he has that level of inclusiveness to him. And then he, you know, is absolutely the, one of the most intense people with how he performs and, and how he's vocal in the locker room. Um, so that's different stuff that, that I'll definitely take with me. And, and I'm really happy I got a chance to play with him. Yeah, man. He, he literally, I, I don't think uh, it's been said so many times, but I don't think you can handpick a better person no. to to lead a team into a culture change, be a role model for the younger players on the team. Like, I, I'm just glad that this city was able to experience him and and really, you know, not take for granted what he meant to the organization. And it's awesome to hear, you know, everything about how he treated the younger guys, how he treated the system, how he set an example for everybody. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, and that's the reason why they've, you know, been on deep playoff runs and, and whatnot. And we're able to win in, in 2011 too, you know? So it's, it, it starts from the front with the leadership and those guys setting the example for sure. Yeah. It goes to show even with, with guys that were never teammates with him and still had nothing but great things to say. Yeah. Obviously, they play all those clips. You know, one, one for example, the um, 
when they're at the center dot with Tage Thompson and Patrice kind of, you know, talks to him. I don't know if you'd seen that, but yeah. just it just kind of goes to show what kind of guy he is, and, and that's going to be a huge loss. But um, I, wanted, I wanted to bring up the your first career goal because I, I was just watching that yeah. and, uh, <laughs> behind the B, and, and they showed your family's reaction. And uh, obviously, awesome. Freddie gave you a nice sauce, and he just signed that deal. Um, yeah. Your deal today. What was that like scoring your first goal, your family's reaction? It, it was so cool seeing, you know, they were all emotional but so happy at the same time. What was that like getting your full, first goal at the Garden and, um, and you know, your family's reaction? Yeah, uh, I feel like I, like, blacked out after that. <laughs> um, it was really cool. Uh, I didn't see my family's reaction until after the game. And, it, you know, that that's where it kind of hit me. It made me emotional, you know. Just uh, – you know, they've been with me through the whole thing and I had a ton of friends there and, you know, all the people that have helped me get to where I was. And, um, you know, I, I had so many text messages of people, you know, showing their, they saying, oh, I was there, whatever and whatnot. So, um, you know, the town of Bill Ricca is a bunch of people from Bill Ricca there and whatnot. Um, yeah. So it's just a, like I said earlier, it's just to be able to share that with them that, made everything that was everything for me um because because like i said it's it, it takes a village to get there and you know you go through a lot to get to that moment and you know to give something back to them and and be able to have a great memory that'll you know last a lifetime is pretty cool yeah, absolutely dude i can't imagine that kind of feeling um so it's awesome that you got to experience that but touching on that as well, so you played 11 games with the Bruins in 2021-2022. Um, what was it like stepping onto the ice for the first time at the Garden in, in front of the Boston fans? Um, I'm sure a moment that you'd been dreaming of forever. Not, not only just Boston, but just you know reaching that level of professionalism where you're taking the ice for an NHL game. But the fact that it was in Boston. Um, what was what was that moment like? If you can kind of take us through that. Honestly, um, I thought I was going to be a little bit more like nervous and, and kind of like jittery going into it, but I was kind of like really relaxed and like kind of just you know kept telling myself that I was you know I was ready for the moment and just say it was just another game. So I just kind of went into it like just jacked up excited <laughs> yeah. and uh and yeah like like i said earlier too i, I played with coil that game and coil was like the nicest guy in the world we're just yeah. like like we're, we're we're having a day like we're gonna we're gonna be great today like like just communicate like blah 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 like um i'll be talking out there like you, you're gonna we're, you're gonna do great just play your game um, that definitely calmed me down. Like, I think he said that after warmups to me or something like that too. Um, but yeah, that, like that game was, I think eight to one. The final yeah. Score. yeah so, it was a blowout. It was a blowout. That kind of helps too. <laughs> you yeah. We're kind of, we can be a little bit more relaxed, like, and, and just go out and just play hockey and, and compete. Um, but yeah, the, I just remember that, like the, building was so loud the energy was crazy so because it, it's kind of crazy like being on the like i was at a game earlier that season like i brought my nephew to a to a bruins game we we're up in like in the balcony like just walking <laughs> in and like to be a now like flip 
on the other side. I was like, yeah. the energy in here is just unbelievable. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. I, I was, <laughs> that was crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Man, I was in the building when you scored, and I yeah, that was me up in the balcony and a freaking yeah. <laughs> like, man, I got a beer poured on me. It just when you when you scored and just that whole game, it was so loud and just so electric. Um, it was an unbelievable moment. I think a lot of people knew that. Obviously, you were a local guy, and like, it just it, it must have been such a cool feeling to see you know all the all the fans you know know that you're a local guy and and see you succeed. Yeah, the the support, like I said earlier, I. So many text messages after the game from family, friends, uh, you know, anyone that I played hockey with at any point, coaches and whatnot. And, um, you know, so it was, it was pretty cool to see that many people reach out and, and show their support. Yeah. So this this offseason, um, you signed a one year deal um, as a restricted free agent. Um, and last year you had a solid season, 13 goals, 17 assists. Um, what areas of your game have you really been trying to focus on improving? Um, and what are, to caveat off that, what are some strengths that you think that you're also trying to build off of? Yeah, I think, uh, like going into this, this summer, I've been trying to, you know, work on my skating and the individual skill stuff and, and whatnot, just, you know, fine tuning some of that stuff. So you're a little bigger, faster, stronger, um, a little bit more poised with the puck and, you know, trying to make, make a little bit more plays and whatnot. But, um, you know, I'm trying to play with some more physicality and, um, you know, just play with a lot of pace. Um, but, yeah, I thought thought this – I had a really strong second half in, in Providence uh, last year and, um, you know, kind of was figuring out and adjusting to the, to the pro style and, uh, and how many games it is too is a huge jump from, from college. Um, so I, I mean, I, I felt like I was, you know, playing a really solid two-way game, um, you know, because that's kind of what I take pride in, and you know, being solid on the penalty kill, and uh, you know, and then just being like a power forward and, and getting my shots off and getting to the net and just being hard to play against. So, um, you know, I was happy with with how the year went in Prov. Um, Obviously, the result wasn't what we what we wanted in the end. Um, same with Boston, but there's uh, it's always things to take away from it and uh, come back hungry next year. You know, so yeah, for sure. Um, so, like, what are your expectations for this this upcoming season? Obviously, there's had a lot of people come and go off this roster, and um, a lot of moves have been made. Um, what are your expectations for the for yourself as well as the team as a whole? Yeah, I think yeah, like anyone, you're going into camp to try to try to make the team, and that's uh, that's the mindset you should have, and and you should be confident about it, and you should, um, you know, go and go and put the work in to try to give yourself the best chance. So um, that's where my head's at, and um, I'm excited. I feel like I've had a really good summer up to this point, and just keep building, and um, you know, you see how it goes, and whatever, whatever happens, happens. You go down to Providence, you, you know, we hope to be the first one being called up because you're, you're, you're on top of your game and playing well and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, expectations, I think, um, for me, I just, I just want to, I just want to be solid. I want to, like I was saying earlier, have that two way game that, that makes me extremely reliable, whether I'm, you know, playing for Boston and, you know, just being hard to play against and, 
and uh and being a force out there and just uh just trying to create some opportunities as well offensively too so yeah man um so obviously you're you're a younger guy much like us so you're definitely on some social media twitter instagram all that um some of the fan base has kind of given you a nickname mclovin from super bad yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think about that nickname uh do you do you like it do you, do you want something else like what I do you think about that? i don't mind it at all yeah, it's kind of funny, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have the, yeah. Like, your face is photoshopped on that yeah. fake ID. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Every <laughs> my friends, my PC friends thought it was hilarious too. Yeah, yeah awesome. that means they love you, man. So that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta laugh with it, right? Yeah, and, uh, you can't get upset <laughs> about that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, man, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give a shout out to Greg and Benny Thomas, obviously, for putting us in contact. Uh, Benny's a good friend of mine and played together at uh, Oakmont before he went over to Cushing or before he left for prep. Um, I was just kind of that load that sat in front of the net and just hit whoever <laughs> hit him. So, um, yeah, I wanted to give him a shout out. And again, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck this season. And uh Hopefully we can talk throughout the year, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Mark. Awesome, thank man. You. Take care.